Welcome back one and all to the Dawson D Show. Thank you for spending some time with us today. This episode is the first of our Sydney interviews and we've waited a long time for this one. It was our absolute honour to sit down with the one and only Nick Cheadle. Nick is a gym owner, a coach and an optimum nutrition athlete and it was an incredible experience to sit down with him and pick his brain on nutrition, training and lifestyle. As well as sharing his personal story including how he got into bodybuilding, competing and ultimately getting to where he is today, Nick opened up about his own struggles along the journey and why he's so pro what he believes. We went deep into topics and myths around nutrition, training techniques and what we scroll through on social media when it comes to anything fitness related, both the positive messages and the toxic misinformation. Nick even gave us some pointers on how to decipher reliable information from trusted sources and those who may not be qualified. Nick shared the amazing opportunities, incredible experiences and worldwide friends he's made working alongside Optimum Nutrition, something that he admits he's so grateful for now. Honestly guys, this episode is just full of so many gems no matter where your level is at or how committed you are to your own fitness journey. If you're just beginning, Nick shares where and how to start. If you're further down the road, you may pick up a thing or two on how to accelerate your results and accomplish the goals you want. But without further ado, let's get into the interview with the legend himself, Nick Cheadle. How's it feel to be in the Harbour City, Dice? Uh, I'm up and about, to be honest. At one stage, actually, last night, we were singing the Sydney Swans theme song. We, we were, were that excited. We were, we were just so happy to be in uh, the city of uh, Sydney. But we've got a very, we've got a huge guest, actually, well, today. I want you to introduce him because you're very excited for this one. I am. Well, you know me back, oh, how many years would have it been? I reckon when I was in about year 11 or 12. I think we all go through this fitness bodybuilder yeah. obsession phase when we're, you know, heading out of high school. And I was in that phase and... The bloke sitting opposite us, he was one of the guys who I followed on Instagram and, uh, you know, I, went, I was going to all the expos and I remember seeing him at the expos. So it's an absolute pleasure to have him here with us. Nick Cheadle, welcome to the Dawson D Show. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it being here. Mate, we're so excited that you're here. So tell us a little bit about your day-to-day currently and we'll start there and then we'll uh, move through your story. Cool. Well, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the expos because that is certainly no longer a part of my day-to-day, <laughs> which is a very good Good thing. Did you did you hate those? They were long, draining days. I'm uh, sure. You know what? To be honest, at the time, I loved them because yeah. uh, the whole social media thing back then for me was. I mean, it was like a drug. I, I mean, I hate to admit that, but uh, you know, it was it was just a, a really unusual experience to have people walking up to you at an expo, just you know, within that context and, and I guess wanting to have photos and have conversations with you was just so bizarre. But uh, now, I mean, I, I struggled to walk into and be in an expo. It's just such a a lot of these, give me uh, a hand for a second. experience. A lot of oh, these? Yeah. Flex. A lot of these. Flex. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like make sure you're squeezing <laughs> yeah, yeah. the shit out of the other guy's hands, you know. But I mean, uh, my, uh, my day-to-day at the moment, my, I guess my, my days revolve around coaching. So mm. I, own a, uh, I own a gym, I guess strength and powerlifting facility predominantly. More recently, we've got a lot more equipment that I like to use rather than uh, <laughs> yeah. necessarily all powerlifting stuff. But I do some in-person coaching on most days of the week, but uh, I also do a lot of online coaching and so I guess my my routines center around working one-on-one with clients whether that be in the gym or online. So how would you actually describe yourself? So if you had to give yourself a title, are you a fitness influencer? Are you a fitness coach? Are you a coach? Are you a bodybuilder? How would you actually describe yourself? I truly hope that nobody ever considers me to be a fitness influencer. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you said uh, that because yeah. I would consider myself to be a coach. Cool. Nothing against fitness influences i just don't want to be that sure you know, i um 
I think now, particularly now that I'm a little bit older and uh, I guess have had more experience within the fitness industry, social media has been a fantastic platform and tool to be able to connect with people. But it is uh, the sort of thing now that if I had the opportunity to step away from that entirely without it affecting my business, I would, okay. I would not be against that. Can you remember the first day that you touched a dumbbell or a weight? Was there a moment where, like oh, I mentioned that obsession phase, did you go through that? And yeah, if you could share that, the beginning of the journey, essentially. Yeah, of course. The first time it would have been, I would have been about 15, I think. I don't think the sort of obsession bit back then at all. I think maybe the first couple of times I went to the gym was with my dad. Uh, and I remember, you know, we'd be struggling on the bench press to push, you know, like 30, 40 kilos, looking at blokes that weren't overly massive, pushing two to three times that amount of weight and just wondering how the hell do they do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think initially I just wanted to go to the gym because I felt quite insecure in the way that I looked. I wasn't an overly athletic kid. Um, I played a lot of sport, but I wasn't necessarily all that good at it. Cricket played a huge part in my life, particularly when I was younger. Again, you know, like I, I was not an athletic looking person. I enjoyed food and I didn't really like running. So uh, at school that sort of puts you in a certain box, I guess. But more so the, um, the bug bit, I guess, after school when I first moved into, I guess, studying to be a PT uh, and then uh, going through a breakup as most bodybuilders do and looking back in the mirror and just thinking, I've got to fix what's going on here. So for me, it would have been about the age of 19-ish, I think. I uh, became a fully qualified personal trainer at about the age of 19 and a half, I think. It was like a, a full year outside of school. And then from there, started working with clients one-on-one -on -one, and it was soon after that. I obviously had the capacity to train quite a lot. I was working at the gym, spending many, many hours at the gym, particularly in the early days of being a personal trainer. You don't necessarily have a great deal of clients to work with. And so I, was, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to train quite a lot. And uh, I remember somewhere along the way, I ended up making a bet with a mate that was somewhere along the lines of, you know, I challenge you to get onto the cover of a magazine before I do. Wow. And uh, it was just like a silly throwaway sort of bet because I remember at the time we picked up a men's health magazine and we knew of the guy that was on the cover. He was actually, I think, the brother of one of the teachers that we had both had at the, uh, the, PT. the PT school that we went through. You know, we just thought like, well, if he can do it, like why can't, why can't we do yeah. it? Soon after that, I remember that there was a, uh, like a fitness model competition and they were advertising that the winner of that show would get onto the cover of a magazine. And so me being, I guess, somewhat opportunistic at the time, thought this is my chance to win that bet. Like I'm going to show yeah. Ian was his name. Uh, he was a, another PT at the gym. And uh, yeah, I thought I'm going to show Ian exactly how to win this bet. So from there, I guess that was really where that sort of obsessional phase really began. Did you win? Um, I didn't win, oh. unfortunately. No, yeah. I think I came third. I guess that was really where the snowball sort of started. And I guess in a way, the start of the learning experience began as well. Mm. I look back on the way that I got to that show and then, you know, some of the methods that I used thereafter and some really not great stuff that I went through. But I guess at the end of the day, it's also part of the reason why I'm so pro the things that I'm pro right mm. now. You know, back then it was very old school bodybuilding methodologies I worked with a coach who was very much that way inclined. And, uh, you know, I remember before that show feeling 
like an absolute shell of myself. Okay. It was just uh, an absolute struggle to get there. Uh, I got extremely lean because I think at the time I'd never dieted before. You know, I had no dieting history. I had no you know, period of time where I had been somewhat suppressing my metabolism. Mm. So as soon as I dropped my calories, it was just a like, this is easy, so to speak, in terms of the ongoing progress that I saw. Is this like a board short style? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess sort of like the IFBB men's IFBB physique. IFBB men's physique. Yeah, it was yeah. an A and B show, so yeah. it was like a, a tested event in... Um, They're so lean, those guys. Like, mm, so lean, yeah. Yeah, obviously no one's got the size of those guys in, yeah. in these sort of small local shows. I'm sure you but, pushed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not at the time. I think yeah. I was maybe about 15 or 20 kilos lighter than I wow. am now. Yeah, and... Uh, this would have been back in 2010 or 11. So it took a couple of years of working in the gym before I ended up getting into this. But, you know, very much the chicken and broccoli diet, very much the, you know, daily cardio, don't have any sauce on your meals, just, you know, the whole water loading, sodium loading thing in the lead up. And even to the point where I, I'm pretty sure I was drinking demineralized water in the lead up, which is essentially just like a, it just dehydrates you even further right it's uh it's the water that is literally designed to be put in your iron so it was just you know a whole host of really unhealthy things to look at the time what i considered to be the picture of health but mm. you know, i remember being on stage and I, I couldn't even swallow my mouth was that dry and so i guess you know like like i said that was the start of the obsessional phase and from there it was really a case of i really sort of liked the way that i look i somewhat started to attach my identity to it which i don't particularly considered to be a healthy thing to do but at the time it was more a case of if this is going to be such an important thing in my life I need to try and figure out how I can continue to do it for a much longer period of time because it already feels like what I'm doing right now is not the sort of thing that I could be doing for much longer okay if that makes sense yeah so you mentioned with the bodybuilding before we get onto the positives and the things that you are pro you mentioned the negatives and things you weren't proud of so what is that old school mentality that you're talking about can you elaborate a bit further on are you talking about mental health? Are you talking about steroids? Are you, what are you actually talking about in terms of that old school thinking? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, a, there's probably a number of different things, but I guess the, the main thing is the approach to nutrition. Okay. It, was, it was very much black and white. Foods are either considered to be good or bad. Gotcha. Uh, there was no understanding or thought to calories, macronutrients, micronutrients, anything like that. It was more just a case of, you know, you can eat this list of foods and nothing else. Okay. I've never touched any steroids. That was never a part of cool. it. I think there were obviously opportunities much later on in the piece that sure. perhaps came up. I don't know. Yeah, at the time it was more just a case of this train of thought where if you wanted to look a certain way, you couldn't eat certain things, go to certain events, drink certain things and you know really live the life that you wanted it was more a case of if you want to look this way you need to sacrifice more or less every other aspect of your life in order to do that gotcha and at the time i, I really bought into that i was young and impressionable and uh, the guys that were saying these things looked phenomenal mm. unfortunately there was also no mention of the fact that most of the blokes that were saying these things were taking drugs and giving i mean i, I guess i was taking away a, a pretty false perception of what they were saying as a consequence if that makes sense yeah do you remember the first time you ever, you, you saw growth in yourself? Like the day when you looked in the mirror and you actually saw, I'm like, actually my, my pipes are growing and my, I can see my abs. And so that's probably a little bit before that, but you said you started when you were 15. Do you remember the moment where you kind of first started seeing some difference in the gym? Because a lot of people find it hard because they don't see any progress, but 
the progress is there, but they, it's probably just not as visible as what they, they mm. want. So do you mm. remember the time when you first started? It could even be the day when you started seeing you were getting stronger and lifting more. Like, do you remember that kind of moment? Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I, I never really paid a great deal of attention to how much I was lifting. I'd seen a lot of, let's say, strange activity in commercial gyms and strange lifting habits, techniques, whatever, yeah. whatever you like. Um, and I guess I always just thought like it makes sense to just perform things properly rather than necessarily worrying about how much weight you're lifting. But I guess for me, you know, initially when I first started, I mean, I ended up seeing progress quite quickly, but that was mainly because of the extreme methods that I ended up adopting to begin with. You mm. know, In hindsight, I, I probably went from eating, I don't know, a regular diet, let's say, whatever that might be, uh, where I certainly wasn't thinking about what I was eating. I would eat takeaway and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any meal prep or anything like that. I just eat whatever I needed to eat when I needed to eat it. But I probably ended up dumping my calories to get to that show to probably around a thousand, and you know it, it got to the point where, like, when yeah, when you're when you're not eating that, yeah. that little, I think I was still eighty kilos on stage in my first show. I was, like I said, considerably smaller and and skinnier than I am now. So you sit about ninety now. Uh, I think I'm about ninety six or seven okay. at the moment. Oh wow, yeah. yeah, okay. So I've been I think as heavy as one hundred and three during my peak powerlifting yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. I mean from. From there, I guess that was when like the, ch the challenges really started in terms of progress because initially I had seen such fantastic progress from doing these really, really extreme things. But these extreme things also came with a bunch of consequences, you know, like eating a thousand calories every single day is maybe fine for a very, very short period of time. But what I would consistently find is that I would only be able to last a certain amount of time before I would just start binge eating essentially just consuming all of the foods that i'd been depriving myself of throughout that period and so I, I went through many many cycles of sort of vicious like excessive dieting and then it would all come falling apart on the weekend where i'd eat ten thousand calories plus okay. and so i guess from there you know that was really that sort of struggle period of like how, how do i do this and, and how do i do this in a way where i can actually see progress because quite often i would get to the end of the week and I'd start to feel really good and then I'd fall off the wagon and I'd, I'd gain like eight kilos. Wow. Because my body had become so volatile. I was eating such small amounts of food that anytime I would overeat, you know, I wasn't just eating an extra day or two's worth of food. I was eating mm. a week's mm. worth of extra calories in comparison in to what my body was days. used to. Yeah, exactly right. And so like the water retention was crazy and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, you asked about mental health previously and mm. I guess that was... That was a real challenge because I was like, hang on a second, I've, you know, at the time, not that I realized this, but I'd, I'd really attached myself to this identity of being a lean person. And during those periods of time where I was like uncontrollably eating, it almost felt like I wasn't myself. And I, I was almost ashamed to ad admit to that or, mm. or to uh, take ownership of those moments. Body image is something we love talking about because that, that was our first ever episode two and a half, nearly three years ago now. Yeah. And I think for us, so we were both very overweight teenagers. Mm -hmm. I, I was overweight until probably 20, 21 and probably borderlining obese at one stage, so quite big. And then I dropped from say 110 to 69 in three months. That's a lot of weight. So imagine, yeah. So, and that was really- months, that's a lot of yeah, weight to lose in three yeah. months. So, and I felt great for a while and then I sort of started hitting the gym and I started to sort of sit at a more natural weight of 77, 78. But I find with my 
like I fluctuate very easily mm. up and down, up and down, up and down. And the body image side of things is like, it's something that's still there. And I think you feel that way too. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I had a, a call with a coaching client. Like I do men's coaching, like more clarity coaching, goal setting kind of stuff. And he said to me on the zoom call the other day, he goes, he struggles with, he sometimes can't even turn the, have the light on in the shower. That's, the kind of thing he's dealing with, with his own body. And I can relate to that to a certain extent when I was younger. And that was more from the perspective of seeing my mates, being able to go to the beach, take their top off, go for a run around, nothing jiggles. You know, me wearing a rash top. We would joke about that. You know, you're 16, you've got your rash on a family holiday. thinking, what the fuck am I wearing a rash top for? Like it makes, it sucks to the skin even more. Like, you know, (laughs) but yeah, body image, it's just, I think it doesn't get talked about enough with males do you see other young guys in the gym do they come to you with that in terms of your coaching is that what they struggle with as well yeah i think it's a, a pretty frequent issue i also think it's one of those interesting things where a lot of people that don't seem to train or get into the gym don't really have those issues either i was just about to mention that you know, yeah like it's almost as if you expose yourself to this world and then all of a sudden you're way more wary now of what you yourself look like and and relatively mm. how you look compared to others But yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know many people that have sort of thrown themselves into the gym and training that haven't experienced those issues at some point in time. Like I went through them big time, you know, like I, when I look back on the, I guess the effectiveness of my training career, like I wish I could have gone back in time and just, and told myself like, it doesn't, doesn't, you don't need to be this lean all the time. Like I could probably be five kilos heavier with, you know, five kilos more muscle mass on my frame right now if I didn't spend so much time caring what other people thought and focusing on being as lean as I could possibly be mm. how much life did I miss out just to maintain that level of condition how much did you so miss much out time? on I think for a, a considerable period you know there were a number of years there where like I just had no interest in drinking alcohol or, you know eating out or, or going out with friends and, and being in social situations was was hard you know or I found it difficult because I was always that person saying no or being the buzzkill, you know, in, in any situation like that to the point where like I, I almost found it easier to say no and, and not even go to those sorts of events, which just seemed so puzzling to me at the time. You know, it took a while to realize, but the obsession with training and, and wanting to look better and, and feel better all came about because I felt like I wanted to have more success with women. I wanted to be more popular. I wanted to have more friends. I wanted to be more sociable, but in order to do that, I was actually saying no to all of those things just yeah. in the pursuit of what I thought would bring me those things. Mm. Totally related. Um, and you know, I guess it, it gets to the point where you're like, what's more important here? What comes first type thing, you know, the chicken or the egg? It's, it's like yeah. one of those types of discussions, right? And I guess that's ultimately one of the things that has since influenced the way that not only I deal with clients, but... I approach things myself. It's it's all well and good to be able to diet on a thousand calories, for instance. But if you have to do that in a fashion that everything else in your life is put on pause, how do you then transition from, you know, wherever you end up back into normal life and doing the things that you want to be doing mm. without undoing all of the hard work that you've put into yeah. to date? Uh, why not take three months, six months, 12 months to get somewhere, but also enjoy yourself along the way rather than getting there really really quickly but also having to give up everything in your life that you love and then toy with that idea of how the hell do i reintroduce it back in without 
throwing away all the progress I've made. What would you recommend to the person? So, because there's two aspects. We want to talk to the people that are really interested in bodybuilding, but also the everyday person that just, and often they just want to lose a little bit of weight. So if somebody wants to lose, say, like 10 kilos and you give them a time frame, I'm just making this up of three to six months, what's the healthiest weight diet-wise to go about that? Because in the information game that every like we're all in, and especially the fitness industry, and there's so many diets and so many quick fixes, what's your healthiest recommendation to lose that kind of weight over that you know, realistic time period diet wise I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. I think typically I'd recommend from like a fat loss perspective, Mm -hmm. you lose between 0.5 and 1% of your total body weight on a weekly basis. Okay. So if you're an 80 kilo male, 1% of that is around 800 grams. Okay. Right. Half of that, 400 grams. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gives you the opportunity to lose weight, like ultimately relatively slowly. Sure. uh, Which should mean hopefully you don't have to reduce your calories all that far. The higher your calories are, ultimately the more flexibility you can have within mm-hmm. um, within your diet. We're all synonymous with the idea of flexible dieting and if it fits your macros. And I think, you know, these days we've got so many resources at our fingertips. It's it's like no longer that situation where only some people specialize in flexible dieting, yeah. which was the case when I first started out on social media. You know, people were astounded by the fact that I was eating ice cream every single day in the, yeah. in the lead up to a show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, is, that is crazy, isn't it? To think about that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, in, a good, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like nowadays, like I think we have even more understanding of the way that things work, and so within that, whilst there is obviously the uh, necessity for rigidity in terms of making sure you aren't eating too many calories mm-hmm. if your goal is to lose weight, the way that you go about doing that is, I mean, the, the ways that you go about doing that are endless, right? We used to think, for instance, you know, like you'd have to be eating in a calorie deficit every single day to be losing weight. But maybe that doesn't make sense for you. Maybe Mm. one day every single week you need to go out and have, I don't know, six beers and you need the amount of calories to be able to do that on that day. Sure. Nothing stopping you from, uh, you know, creating the opportunity to do that on the other days of the week and still by the end of the week or by the end of the month maintaining enough of a calorie deficit to be losing weight over time. Uh, And so really I think it's, it's more a case of how can you figure out how to stay in a calorie deficit given your goals, given your lifestyle, the things that you want to do in your life and what sacrifices are you prepared to make in order to get there, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned alcohol. What are your thoughts on alcohol in general for someone who's trying to be healthier, uh, not necessarily losing weight? What, what's your opinion on if you like alcohol, drink alcohol or are you someone that drinks alcohol or is it something that you, you don't want to touch? Uh, yeah, for sure I drink yeah. alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Alcohol is like a pretty big part of life, right? I think it's going to be very difficult for you to go through life and never, ever drink. And if that's somebody, if that's you and that's a a personal choice, then awesome. Yeah. But it's certainly not the sort of thing that you have to do just in order to to make progress. I think it's important to acknowledge that drinking alcohol is never going to help or assist any sort of progress you want to make. It's not going to make training easier. It's not going to make fat loss easier. It won't necessarily harm it if you're drinking in moderation and you're taking into account how many calories you're consuming uh, and you're drinking in a fashion that perhaps doesn't bleed into you know the next day or you know dramatically affect your training week if you're going out and riding yourself off a couple of times a week that's probably going to impact the way that you progress right but Mm. i mean alcohol as a as a concept i got no issues with that i mean in australia it's like almost a prerequisite of being sociable right yeah how do you how do you catch up with mates and not have a beer and so I think if you can create enough rigidity within your routine, 
then you can afford yourself those luxuries of, of being able to drink beers every so often. You know, mm. I think as a, uh, a general perception, the idea of moderation is grossly over-exaggerated. Like people don't understand the concept of moderation, right? When we refer to diet, you know, a lot of people just have those throwaway comments like everything in moderation. Nobody understands what moderation is until they begin tracking their calories. It's a great one, point. Yeah, like That's one really piece of point. cheesecake. Yeah, it's all well and good. It's one piece of cheesecake. But if it's a 1,500 calorie piece of cheesecake, it's, it's, not, it's not in moderation. Right? Mm. And so we can make better decisions and, and learn much more about what we're eating through tracking calories. But at the end of the day, if we are trying to lose weight mm-hmm. and keep it off over a long period of time without it necessarily impacting the way that we live our lives, we just need to make sure that we are satisfying the bare minimum of that uh, requirement you know like what is it that we need to do to lose weight we need to be in a calorie deficit cool as long as we're doing that how can we do it in the most enjoyable and effective way possible given that that's all we need to do what's the most toxic thing that you see on social media that people are teaching whether it's a fad diet or incorrect training techniques is there something that you see that you almost get wound up about because they're taking people down this road that is ultimately unhealthy or potentially dangerous or false? I think one of the biggest challenges with social media is that there are a lot of people that don't necessarily have a lot of education or I guess proper insight into... You're talking about the creators? Yeah. yeah, You know, there's a lot of people out there with very large audiences and hence very big voices that don't necessarily know what they're talking about Mm. right it's dangerous yeah and you know there's there's no there's no qualification to have a large audience on social media yeah and oftentimes i think it's very very easy particularly for people that are just trying to find their feet particularly if they are just starting out it's hard to look at somebody that looks exactly the way that they want to look and think that this person might be talking a bunch of rubbish Mm. you know if you're looking at somebody thinking that's exactly the way that i want to look it's very easy to then think well maybe i'll just listen to everything that they say when unfortunately like more often than not the person doing the majority of the talking in that situation is a byproduct of the hard work that they've put in the work that their coaches perhaps put in on their behalf and potentially the drug cycle that they're on as well yeah so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people spruiking all sorts of diets, all sorts of, you know, rogue training methods and all of these sorts of things that come out and, and with a big enough uh, audience, these things can become the sort of thing that it's, you know, a lot of people think is, yeah. is truth. And I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we see today. It's, it's how do we wade through all of this information and figure out what is the most relevant and useful and accurate information. There's a lot of information out there. <laughs> for more context i guess when i first started out on social media i remember thinking that my strategy would be to put out as much content as possible because when i first started on instagram this is back in well and truly before they did videos and, and yeah, what yeah. it is now right this is chronological timeline and everything right <laughs> um you know back then it was just like no one put out content it was almost like if i give out content people are going to know my secrets and then they won't pay me for it. Mm. And I think that's ultimately one of the ways that I ended up building uh, my audience the way that I did. Whereas now, content is everywhere. 
it is. There's mm. so much information out there. So it's almost like just a massive overload for anybody that's coming into mm. the space. Uh, how on earth would they know which of those sources to listen to? Exactly. Mm. You're an optimum nutrition athlete. You have been for a long time. Were they your first, I guess, deal or endorsement? If not, or if they were, do you remember the day and what an exciting opportunity that was for you and what it opened up for you and people you got to meet and where you got to go? Because you've got to do some amazing things by the looks of it, by being aligned with, with Optin. Yeah, yeah. So, that, yeah, I mean, that was a, an outrageously cool experience when that all happened. Um, I think prior to that, I had done some work with an Australian activewear company called Better Bodies. In fact, the company itself was Activewear Online and they were the Australian distributor for a company called Better Bodies. But Optimum was the new, yeah, the first uh, real sort of, I guess, endorsement sponsorship deal that I ever did. And uh, at the time, I knew a couple of the athletes that were already with them and had had a, a number of conversations about sort of what it involved. And I guess as part of uh, my experience through the early years, you know, the idea of being a sponsored athlete was this thing that I just thought would be so cool, you know. And I certainly don't want to put it out that that's not the case. It's been an unbelievable experience and I've been afforded so many opportunities as a consequence. But I think the coolest part for me was that uh, the first type of protein that I ever bought was gold standard. That's nuts. Uh, whey. Whey, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, most people's first. It's the favourite. Yeah, right? Like you walk into the uh, the supplement store and it's just, it's all over one wall. Like an entire wall is, <laughs> yeah. is dedicated to it, right? And so, yeah, I ended up competing at a, uh, a WBFF show in 2014. And then uh, shortly after that, uh, the conversation started, which was pretty cool. Like I said, afforded uh, an incredible number of opportunities. Been flown to uh, several different locations all over the world just to do really cool things. You know, I've done uh, a couple of shoots for them in various parts of the world. I've been to Chicago, which is where the head office is. And, and we've shot a, a gold standard, I think it was a BCAA product commercial, which was... Mm. Quite literally about 12 hours of heavy lifting and shooting for about eight seconds worth of commercial <laughs> appearance. Wow. Um, How long ago was that? Uh, that would have been 2015, oh, 16 Because I, nah, I, I saw you on a little video on, on the billboard at our gym actually the other day. But a mate from our way, Gus Groves, is also an optimum nutrition athlete. He He's from Mornington as well. But yeah, you, you're, you're often on the screen down at my gym. Good luck. Yeah, that was actually more recently. Was but, it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was actually at, uh, at Eugene's gym. Was it? In, okay. Uh, in Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, you know, initially it started out by being flown to various locations for, for fitness expos. And, you know, I mentioned before that I'm glad that I don't do the fitness expos anymore. But at the time, it was just such a, an outrageous and surreal experience, you know. Not only because I got to meet so many fantastic people, um, I got to have those same experiences overseas where all of a sudden I'm in another country, people are coming up to me and saying, hey, can I get a photo? It Crazy. just blow my mind, yeah. But it also meant that I got to I got to meet some clients while I was you know traveling abroad, and I got to just do some cool things, you know, go to places that I would I would probably never consider going to. Yeah, more recently, you know, the team has just has become so cool. You know, we've uh, we've got so many amazing athletes on board now, and particularly with the way that social media is these days, like we've taken a really great shift in the right direction, I think. And you know, I think Optimum Nutrition used to be synonymous with you know like big old school bodybuilders and mm. now it's uh i think there's a, a big acknowledgement that realistically like there are very few people out there that want to be the best bodybuilder they can be yeah. like no one is really interested in that lifestyle like you mm. might see the odd person here and there i don't know about you but uh, no, i, I, totally I, agree I, with I that. don't know anyone that wants to be a bodybuilder no you know? oh, well i never like, i never wanted to be a bodybuilder i just i always just wanted to be lean yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but like yeah even then like most people want to be lean for a certain purpose right like you yeah. want to be lean because most people 
Normally women. want that, you know? It's, it's women, Nick. It's, it's normally women. It's women. Yeah. Of course, of course. And then you get lean and then you realize that women don't give a shit about that. No. And uh, you're going to get more DMs from gym bros than you get from girls. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Is any does anybody you mentioned all these cool people you meet? I know Doss had a lot of posts on his wall. Who were some of your favourites? Well, I had Arnie. Obviously, I had yeah. a big Arnie poster, but I had a I had a Steve Cook poster. Yeah, we know you've you've done some work with him. Sean Stafford, like I know you you seem really tight with him as well. He seemed like good sure, buds. Yeah, Sean's the best dude. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, he's really good, and I think. We always, I mean, I find that being Australian, we have very similar senses of humor to uh, anybody from, uh, from the UK. Yeah. And yeah. so it's. Well, he uh, likes his cricket. You know, he you're does. A, and he's yeah, rugby. Yeah. You're a cricketer. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, no, like I've always got time for Sean. And uh, we unfortunately don't get to catch up anywhere near as much as we would like. But yeah, there was a, a trip not to, oh, would have been several years ago now. But yeah, I mean, Sean's the sort of guy that uh, if I was in town, would absolutely make sure to look him up and, uh, and catch up with him for a. A warm beer, which is something. Oh, over there. there. Yeah, it's weird. So, does anyone specific come in? Like, when you met them, you go, like, wow, I'm, I'm meeting so and so. Have you met Arnie, for instance? What? Who are some of the guys in the industry that you just go, wow, like, it's amazing that, you know, I'm on the same stage as them or the same show as them or, you know, whatever it may be? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like, Sean was probably the, the best example. Okay. Like, I'd known of Sean before I actually ended up meeting him. He was an optimum nutrition athlete yeah. at the yeah. time. And I think. Just before that, he just won his second world title with the WBFF. And He's a beast. Yeah. And, you know, at the time I was like, this guy's, this guy's big news. And yeah. he was just so down to earth and, and such a good dude. It's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really great to spend some time with him in several countries, actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's probably, I guess, one of the, uh, the best people I've, I've been able to meet as That's a consequence cool. of that. Yeah, like obviously hanging out with Steve Cook is, yeah. is cool, shooting content with him. I mean, the whole international optimum team were just... Well, awesome, you know, it's just yeah. Just yeah. shoulders with different people, and uh, you know, it's it, it's crazy to me when I find out that other people doing those sorts of things aren't always necessarily in the fitness industry. I just yeah. automatically assume that they're all doing something <laughs> yeah. similar to me, and they're yeah. like, oh yeah, like I'm a nurse during the day. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, yeah. How like how did you get into this type thing? And so yeah, I think just being uh, able to experience, yeah, I guess the way that other people live their lives and yeah. and and new places new new cities it's a cool experience you know, that's it's just, well, it's just one of those things i never thought would be afforded to me well optimum probably well, the biggest supplement company in the world but then you were also as well you were you were also along with gymshark who are probably now the biggest yeah. gymwear company in the world you know like mm. you've got to work with two of the biggest brands in the universe in the industry you love you know that's pretty yeah. cool yeah it was it was it was extremely cool similar to the optimum experience you know like that that opened a lot of doors for me as well I think the first time I ever sort of started to talk with Gymshark was back in 2015. I was at uh, I was in the UK for Body Power. Optimum had taken me over there again, and uh, is Body Power their big expo? Yeah, so it's like their Arnold, basically. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah a huge event for them, way bigger than anything we do here too. Yeah. And so yeah, conversation sort of started there, and uh, they they continued on thereafter. But yeah, I mean. I got to meet a bunch more cool people there and, and, and shoot with them in various parts of the world as well. So, yeah, I mean, a, a bunch Sweet. of really surreal experiences that sort of ended up coming my way as a consequence of, I guess, throwing my hat in the ring and, and taking some opportunities when they came. Yeah. So these days you're coaching. What is the stereotypical client that you like to work with? Is it specific to sports? Is it specific to a goal they may have? Who are the types of people you work with? I think over time it's actually sort of changed and evolved a little okay. bit. When I first started coaching online in a more 
uh, consistent fashion that was right around the time that I was competing. And so 2014 was the last show that I ended up doing. And that was when I was sort of blogging about the fact that I was I sort of made it my aim to eat ice cream every single day in the lead up to the show, mm. just to try and show people that you could do this. Um, and at the time, like no one really knew what flexible dieting was. You know, there were like a few very early if a 50 macros adopters, but everyone else was just like mind blown by the fact that I was eating these foods and like looking the way that I was looking. And so it was a great opportunity just to like blog about my experience. And so I guess, you know, for a period of one or two years thereafter, I, I was working with a lot of competitors. And at the time I was like, this is actually awesome because most people that want to compete are extremely driven. You know, like they're going to hang off every single word that you say. And yeah, I mean, they're there for a, a specific goal and outcome. Mm. For a while it became very, very popular to compete. You know, like I'd have clients reach out and be like, oh, I really want to compete. I'm like, great, what's your, what's your training history? Oh, I've just started the gym. Like, <laughs> oh, uh, you realize this is, this is an extension of bodybuilding, right? You need to be spending some time actually building your body before you want to think about doing a show. Yeah, I guess for a couple of years there, it was, it was really a lot of competitors, mm. but helping them get to the stage in a way that didn't mean their life was completely shite in the lead up to it. But ever since then, you know, it, it's really transitioned more to, I guess, more people like me right now. And I think that's probably the, the coolest part, right? It's, it's people that have either had some success in the past with improving their physique, but have struggled with the idea of doing so in a fashion that doesn't impair their life or it's people that are still somewhat new to the whole whole scene and they've made the decision that i'm the person that they want to listen to and take advice from gotcha. so in that huge sea of information they've yeah. somehow come to the conclusion that i'm the one that they want to listen to which is great and so i guess you know i, I work with a, a number of people from i guess not necessarily very very basic beginner i think most of the people that I end up working with have some level of understanding in that I guess they've sifted through some of the information and, and come to me through that. And they have already a basic understanding of either tracking their nutrition uh, or have been training for at least a, a number of years uh, right through to sort of more advanced people that are just simply looking to have somebody take the reins type gotcha. thing and, and, and tell them what to do. But for the most part, you know, the majority of my coaching is – it fluctuates. I guess the majority are still people that want to lose weight or uh, lose weight and then maintain that level of weight loss. Gotcha. Um, but but really from there, it's it's more a case of how can we sort of live as much life as possible yeah. once we do that. Love you know? that. Yeah. So I, I guess like a lot of my coaching videos now and, and sort of coaching calls really just center around like, all right, cool. How can we structure this week so that you can go out and have beers on Friday night mm. or words to that effect you know mm. um and it, it's i guess i don't want to use the term lifestyle coaching i think that's a bit of a it, it's a bit think a, what you think about it yeah, yeah. exactly you know, yeah. i think uh, there's probably going to be a number of people that have very different perceptions of exactly yeah. what that means but you know for me a big part of it is like what is the point of that loss if we can only achieve it by getting rid of everything else in your life right? totally agree throwing all of your eggs in the fat loss basket it's not a fun time. I've been there, I've done that and it doesn't leave you feeling overly great at the end. And so if we can chip away at fat loss whilst chipping away at chatting to that girl at the gym and spending time with mates and having a few beers, then why wouldn't we do that? Because then you're going to sort of tick off a number of things by the time mm. you get there rather than going, sweet, now I've got the rig, I've got to work on everything else. Yeah, yeah. yep. Mm. What are some of the biggest myths that come to your mind that shit you about whether it's training, so it could be certain exercises. So stuff that comes to my mind, right, is 
which I can't talk about and I, I can't see my abs. So, but you know, you have to do sit-ups every day to get abs or see abs. What, what are some of the biggest myths that frustrate you in the industry or that you see people believing? It's funny. I think early on, these were far more prevalent, right? Yeah. I guess stuff like not eating carbs after dark type thing. Yeah, that's 6pm deadline. Yeah, you know, not, not, not eating carbs before you go to bed or uh, making sure you slam down a protein shake within 30 minutes of, uh, of finishing your training session. Oh, I hated that one. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Gamble loved telling me that. Yeah. yeah. I guess to a certain extent, the idea that abs are made in the kitchen or you know, abs are revealed in the kitchen or like nutrition is, is 80% of the battle. Like I understand where those sorts of statements come from, but I also think that to fully buy into that is to probably leave yourself in a position where you train like i mean you're probably just wasting a lot of your time that you are actually training in the gym yeah yeah i don't, I don't know if there are any sort of other more yeah. hardcore myths going around at the moment I, I i do see like a lot of things that happen with trends you know for instance when that um well, we saw your post of fasting post like that's a big yeah. trend what's your thoughts yeah, on fasting that's a good one yeah yeah i mean that's just an eating protocol right yeah like, if that helps you hit your macros then awesome but um, it's, it's the fasting itself is not actually going to give you any better opportunity to lose body fat. If it fits in with your, your day and your lifestyle, then awesome. Uh, and if it means that you can better control your hunger as a consequence, then that's fantastic. But the actual process of fasting doesn't make you lose fat any faster unless it contributes to a larger calorie deficit. But yeah, I mean, as far as trends are concerned, you know, I, I do remember when that, um, I don't know if you guys remember that Game Changers documentary. I do that remember that, the vegan one. All, yeah, yeah, it was all about eating a vegan that was, life, uh, And was just, Arnie was into that as well, wasn't he? Or oh, I think I Arnie know, had a lot to do with it. Yeah, there were a few people that got involved. But you know, like I, had, <laughs> I had several clients go, hey man, like I've, I've started eating vegan this week. I'm like, why? And literally they'd just cite the, uh, they'd cite the, the documentary. And I'm like, Let's talk about why we're doing this, you know? I mean, like, what are your, uh, what are your reasonings here? And, you know, I guess if, if you've got reasons to, to eat a vegan diet, then awesome. But if you don't, then, God, that's a hard way to live your life, mm. let alone eat in a fashion that actually gives you the complete nutrition you might need to, to get to a, a certain outcome. Uh, and I guess with any, with any, you know, be it myth or or fad diet or approach to nutrition. So if you can't see yourself doing it in three years or 10 years, it's probably not worth looking into. <laughs> I think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah. About probably just about anything with your training and nutrition, right? Maybe to a lesser extent with training, there's obviously going to be times where maybe you can be somewhat more experimental with the way that you go about your training and, and even look at incorporating sort of higher intensity training periods to try and create more opportunities for progress and, and build more muscle and build more strength. But, you know, for the most part, if you, yeah, if, you, if you can't stick to something for an extended period of time, it's either too demanding on your routine or it, it costs too much. I mean, like whatever those costs are, mm, yeah. it just costs too much. What are some of the positive things you see then? So in the next five to ten years in the future of the whole industry, whether it be nutrition or training, what are some of the positive directions that seem to, we seem to be going? Is there anything you see as a more sustainable way forward for the everyday person. Yeah, I, th I mean, I would like to think that we're seeing a lot more, I guess, sources on, you know, social media in particular. Well, firstly, I think we're seeing a lot more people putting out really good content. Okay. And I think there's a lot more people buying into the fact that we probably need to have a basis of understanding and research, you know, going into the things that we're saying. Right? Do we call out the bullshit enough, do you think? 
Uh, do we need to? I mean, I think that's a hard one. Okay. You know? I, I think that's a really challenging one because I see a lot of people that, you know, really go about bashing what they hate. Okay. Uh, and I've always been one for sort of promoting what you love. I know it's very difficult, particularly for that person that's sort of just getting in the fitness industry mm. to, to try and differentiate, you know, what, what the good stuff is. But, you know, I just, uh, I've always found like the whole promoting what you love thing to be a really authentic experience. Mm. And, you know, the people that tend to bash what they hate and sort of put those people down, it just, it feels like a more negative experience to me. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. I've urged for that too. Like, because I'm thinking of when I post content yeah. that other people don't agree with, mm. I'd hate for them to come back at me. But I'm like, but I enjoy doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think too, just putting yourself in a position where yeah. there's always the opportunity to hear another perspective, right? Just because you believe in one thing doesn't necessarily mean somebody else can't believe in another thing. But specifically, you know, like calling these people out and putting them down for whether it's a belief or, uh, you know, something that they're saying. I, I just don't know how much positivity can come about because of that. And I think that there's probably better ways to, to go about doing it, right? Like, yeah, personally, I, I, I don't like the idea of, say, a ketogenic diet. Do I think people that follow a ketogenic diet are idiots? No, I don't. Like that's a personal choice. Mm. If you want to make that, that's great. But here's all the information that I can give you so you can make an informed decision on why you may or may not want to do that. And ultimately, if you decide that you can forego carbs for the rest of your life, good luck to you. I don't think you can, but good luck to you. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I guess like any hate on social media or like people that, you know, like put other people down, mm. it's just, what are you trying to get out of that? You know, mm. know, like what, like what, are you, what's like, what's the outcome that you that you get from doing that? You know, and I think putting out really good, consistent information is uh, is a much better way to go about things because then it, 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 I guess, it puts the onus on the the end user, right? They can mm. consume the information and figure out what is going to work best for them and make a, an informed decision based on what they think is the best after having digested, hopefully, all of the good information that they can get. So just to elaborate on one more point, so if somebody's putting out consistent content over a longer period of time, do you think that's more of a, then a tick to say, okay, this is more of a trustworthy source and the person that's just blown up over one video with one idea and there's no consistency or history of what they're actually preaching about? So if there's somebody starting out, so we're twisting this, so if somebody's starting out and they're on TikTok, for instance, and they can grab these 30-second grabs and one bit of information might sit in their brain and go, okay, this is a way forward for me. Before they make that huge change, is it better to do a bit more research on that person that's giving the information and how long they've been doing it for, what their journey is, their consistency before you buy into that huge idea? Yeah, I would certainly think so. Mm. I mean, seeing any one post and taking it at face value or trying to suggest that it might be gospel is probably a, a pretty dangerous thing to do mm. if you saw those guys on tiktok just like constantly poking their muscles telling you that that's going to grow a bigger chest and you just thought that that was all you had to do i mean that would yeah, yeah. probably waste a lot of time you'd right? be in strife yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> like you probably want to do a little bit of research <laughs> yeah. um, before you just throw all of your eggs into that basket yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah i think if you're able to go onto somebody's account and see that they've been posting consistent content for years that's probably going to give you a better understanding as to where they're at or how, not necessarily intelligent, but how knowledgeable and, yeah. and how much time and effort they put into doing those sorts of things versus somebody that, yeah, maybe has just gone viral overnight. They've done it for years rather than weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right. 
All right, we need to jump into some fan questions because yeah, we know you've got to be somewhere at 10.30. Right. So first one is from Dane.m. Sutty. He says, who's got better hair, you or Blonde Bomber Stafford? That's a good one now because you're yeah. growing your hair out too. Mm. And is this a discussion that you guys have had or? Uh, he sent me a few comments every now and then he? when he's yeah. seen it on, on social media. I've actually met Dane before. Oh, have so you? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking the question, mate. Um, I think it'd be criminal to suggest that uh, I have better hair. <laughs> Sean's Sean's had his hair for a very long time. I think that's he's like Samson, you know. I mean, it's just he's got he's got that strength associated with the hair. Yeah, and I, it's, I think he wins that. It's also blonde, you know. Like you can't go past a long head of blonde hair. Yeah, exactly right. I love the blonde hair. Yeah, it's uh, it's very sharp. So I'm happy to take the L on that one. I love this one, and it, actually, funny enough, it comes from my sister. So shout out to Ali. But it's interesting because it comes from the, a female perspective, and I know we've we've touched on this a bit. But what advice would you give someone starting out from scratch in the gym? Very open-ended question. Yeah, yeah. I think the best thing that you could do is throw yourself into something consistently. You know, we've already had the discussion about this idea that there's so much information out there, right? But I've actually had this conversation with my wife previously. And the idea is to just, if you're going to pick someone, pick someone. But listen to what they have to say and give it the opportunity to actually work. Love that. Right? Whether, I mean, you're probably going to see far more progress from following the wrong thing consistently. And by the wrong thing, obviously, that's a very broad statement, right? But if you choose the thing that isn't necessarily optimal, you're probably going to see far more progress if you follow that for a consistent period of time and just throw yourself into it in comparison to picking and choosing several different things over time and just and chopping and changing. And I guess like the best example here, right, is, is a training program. I'm hoping by now that the majority of people are starting to, to understand and, and be more aware of the fact that if we want to see consistent progress, we want to build all the muscle, like the best way to go about doing that is just to do the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? We're not changing the sessions that we're doing from time to time. It's extremely hard to not only track how we're progressing and, and figure out if we are, but it's also very, very difficult to like actively work towards making progress, you know? There's so much that goes into the body learning new movements. Like we can't, possibly hope to make any progress when we're just throwing different stimuli at it all the time right but if you throw yourself into any program to begin with like you're going to see considerable progress in comparison to just following one program for one week and then another program yep. for another week and then another program for a third week you know it's just pick one person you know make your decision on whoever you think to be the person spitting the truth i love that and then follow it stick to it for long enough you know give yourself two three six months of just doing what they say. That's a good time period to kind of look at to feel like you're either making some kind of progress or an understanding of what you're actually buying into. Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if you're doing something for six months and you aren't either getting leaner or bigger <laughs> yeah. and, and certainly stronger, you should definitely, I mean, if you're doing the same thing week after week, if you're not getting stronger within literally a handful of weeks, particularly as a beginner, maybe you need to find something else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just, just by doing the same exercise for like six weeks in a row, you're going to add reps, sets, kilos mm, yeah. easily, particularly as a beginner. Sure. Like throwing something brand new. I mean, it's just pick one thing and stick with it for long enough, you know, just give it, give it a chance. Love it. Because so many people don't give it a chance, you know, like, and it may take weeks or months. It's not going to take days, but give it those weeks or months to actually work mm -hmm. before you decide that it isn't working. That's Great advice. Go one more. So Squilliam underscore 14. Who do you, how do you combat being prone to shin splints? 
I don't know if you've had these before. Do you have any? <laughs> I'm a sufferer. Um, have you been a sufferer? I have. A, I uh, have been a sufferer. Worst injury of my life. Oh, uh, I mean, it, it sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, I have never. Have you suffered been a runner? Myself. Did you run much? So I'm actually a runner now. To be oh, honest, yeah. I am. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. This what year, what kind I, of running? Uh, so this year, I did the city to surf, mm. which is the first time I've ever done that. Yeah. How many? How many clicks is that? That's 14 kilometers. Mm, yeah, that's more than I've ever run. Well done, mate. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Never previously been a runner. Have always hated it. But I had a. Um, I had a cancer foundation reach out to me and so i ended up raising some money to do it and i thought that would sound like a good cause so it was horrible but very rewarding <laughs> since that i actually I, I actually still run now um i've never actually suffered from shin splints myself and so i'm going to do the what i would consider to be a responsible thing here <laughs> if, <laughs> if i were to suffer from sorry shin splints, Will. if i were to sh- suffer from shin splints i would go and see a physiotherapist because they uh, the people that can help you. I love that. A set of shin splints, not a personal trainer on the internet. I saw actually online, did you used to do a lot of short burst running, like a lot of sprint work or was that more for your training? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed that sort of training. Um, I did a lot of that stuff, particularly when I first started, uh, but that was more because I just bought into the belief because somebody told me on Simply Shredded that doing sprints burns fat. So, you know, What sprints were they? Like reps and distance? What were you, do you remember? Probably, uh, probably like what? Like 30 seconds on, minute off kind of stuff? Something or? like that. I mean, I'd, I'd take it in turns. Sometimes I'd go to the park and just like run 100 meter sprints, walk back and then do another run. Gotcha. Some days i go on the treadmill and just like sprint for, I don't know, 30 seconds and then walk yeah. for a minute. I don't know. I, mean, I can't remember to be honest. But <laughs> Interesting. Yeah I, mean, yeah. I mean, now I've... Uh, with the running, actually, I've got a, I've got a coach that writes running sessions for me. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So there's like a good little mix of sort of fartlek interval and, and longer distance. Do you training. um do you follow Nick Bear? I don't know. Oh, mate, you would love him. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's probably the biggest hybrid athlete, massive on Just YouTube. Him, yeah. yeah, I'm obsessed. I've got all my mates on him. Watch all these vlogs. But yeah, he's well, basically he talks about building muscle while running. Awesome. He, you know, I, mean, I find that extremely impressive. Anyone that can. Yeah not only take up but succeed at multiple disciplines at the same time because yeah. I've to be honest I've, I've really struggled to keep up a really consistent lifting routine and run because mm. I'm finding that I don't really want to be training twice a day because I just don't like that from a lifestyle perspective I don't want to spend twice like two parts of my day in the gym that sucks um, <laughs> so I don't want to be like going running and then lifting later on and so I've, I've really struggled to like sort of balance that and, and continue to be good at both and I've actually found that more recently I've just I guess I'm going through a little bit of a lull with my weight training. So like I've really been like prioritizing the running sessions and I make sure I don't miss any of those. But sometimes my, my weight sessions, you know, mm. just, oh, well, turns yeah, out, turns out I, miss, I missed that one this uh, this week. But um, yeah, like to, to go back to that, I find that anyone that can sort of do that and do it really, really well, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that's a seriously cool thing to do, you know. So for somebody listening that wants to speak to you, get involved with you and your coaching – um, what's the easiest way to do that and your online programs? What does that all entail? Yeah, so Nick Cheadle Fitness is pretty much my name for everything. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, Nick at NickCheadleFitness.com if you want to get in touch more personally and, and mm-hmm. shoot me an email. Uh, if you want to work with me and my team, then yeah, we can obviously help with any sort of body composition or lifestyle related eating and training habits that you might want to uh, achieve. And ideally, you know, like I mentioned, we, we like to help out doing that in a way that life doesn't have to take a back seat. So, What's the first step of that process? Is it a chat one-on-one or how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. Just shoot through an email. We can have a quick discussion as to cool. whether or not we'd actually be a good fit for you because 
we don't like to just push anyone in. We just want yeah. to make sure that we're both on the same page before that ends up mm. happening. But uh, Perfect. if you reach out, yeah, we can obviously set up a time to have a chat if it, if it makes sense and figure out what the next steps from there might be. And, the, and the social medias, what, what are they? Yeah, so Instagram is just Nick Cheadle Fitness. Uh, you can also find me Nick Cheadle Fitness on Facebook. Not on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I think I've got a Twitter TikTok. account. <laughs> I, don't think, I think Nick Cheadle Fitness is too many letters on Twitter. Mm. So it might be Nick Cheadle Fit. I do have TikTok, but I'm not very active. Okay. I think it's just nick.cheadle. Oh. Yeah. Well, everyone, they'll but all be in the show notes. So go and follow we'll, them. We'll in. do I mean, our research. If you follow me on TikTok, though, like, don't, don't hold your breath. <laughs> don't expect <laughs> you'll be, You might pass oh, it. Instagram's yeah, yeah. a place to go, I think. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, we just want to say a massive thanks, mate. It's We're, been um, awesome. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure for us, and we, we know what a big deal this was for us. So we appreciate yeah. you making the effort and the time and um, giving us the opportunity to chat with you, mate. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Lovely. Thank you. No worries. Dee, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And of course, you have your chance to get a shout out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, Dee? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>